Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I'm excited this morning. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever think about perfect peace? Come on, let that sink in. Do you ever think about perfect peace? Perfect peace. How can we possibly have perfect peace in a place that's so unperfect? In a world that's everything but perfect peace. But can I tell you this morning... You can have perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on who? On you. Because he trusts in you. If you keep your mind on Jesus, you can have that peace. In the midst of no matter what you're walking through. How many are walking through some things right now? Nobody? Okay, there they go. Sometimes even children, you have to ask them a couple of times, raise your hand. I'm sure in this building, as many of us that are in here, all of us are walking through something right now. There are things we go through in life. Life is like running a race. How many runners do we have in here this morning? Oh, we got some runners. Raise your hand if you're a runner. Where's Chris Hurt? If he's here, I know he's a runner. Mars is a runner. Any ladies that are runners in the house? I have to put my glasses on to see you. I take them off to read and I have to put them back on to see if you're here. Oh, we got some runners in the house, some lady runners. That's good. So I'm going to try to tie this in today as we talk to some runners today. We're all runners. Paul said, I'm running a race. How many believe this is a race? Life is a race. And it's not a sprint, but it's a marathon, isn't it? It's a marathon. It's a cross-country run. It's not something we're just going to see the finish line automatically, but it's a run, a race that we're running. Come on, we know the answer. Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace. Come on, he's the one whose name is Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, our peace, the peace in the midst of a storm. He's the strong tower that the righteous run into, and they're safe. And a safe place is a place of peace. Come on. Peace is not an emotional state, but it's Jesus whose very presence resonates peace. Come on, have you ever been in a situation where, where you just couldn't seem to find no peace, but then you call on God and it's like the comforter enters the room and he says, okay, it's okay, just calm down, I'm right here. That's what Linda was telling me a while ago, just calm down. Jesus is right here. You're going to be fine. Just take a deep, deep breath. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll do what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in the heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a true peace when we can find rest in Jesus. Amen. Come on, let me tell you something. The kingdom of God, I want to read it to you. This is in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And we do worry about that a lot, don't we? 
Come on, how many of you go to the grocery store six times a week? Even as high as groceries are. We worry about what we're going to eat. You keep them three-year-old triplets for a week. When they get home from school, what are we going to eat? They already started. I raised boys. I didn't know girls were that bad. <laughs> but they want to know what they're going to eat, don't they? When they get up in the morning, what's our snack? You're about to get breakfast at school, but what's our snack here? So they have to have it. We worry about those things. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Here's how David put it in Psalms 91, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Come on. We ought to give Him praise right there. We trust in Him this morning. Come on, nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. I'll preach this faster if you stay awake and help me. So what does running the race have to do with peace? Come on, folk. Everything. For without that peace, we won't make it to the finish line. Come on, without that peace, we won't make it to the finish line. You know, I saw this a while ago, and it says pure life, healthy hydration. Can I tell you something? Jesus will give you pure life and healthy hydration. But I'm going to drink this anyway. <laughs> There's no finish line in our destiny if we don't have peace. All there will be, or there won't be any joy. You know, without peace, there's no joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> He's my refuge. We're vision people. And that's what we're supposed to be. You know, Helen Keller said, what's worse than having no sight, having no vision? Hmm. Boy, that's a powerful statement. And I believe God's given us a vision. So we've got to be vision people. But we also got to have some joy. If you're going to make this journey, folk, you need to have some joy. And that comes through the peace of Jesus Christ. You ever been around somebody that just didn't have any joy? It's hard to hang out with them, isn't it? It's hard to hang out with a person that doesn't have any joy. For all you runners this morning, let's talk about some running stuff and how it can, bring, can help you with peace of God. To be a good runner, first of all, you got to do something. you got to have a good pair of shoes. Come on, believe it. If you're a runner, you know it. you got to have a good pair of shoes. And you got to strap on those shoes and you got to put them on tight. And it's best not to have a brand new pair. It better be some that's used, some that you've worn a little bit, some that you're used to, some that have kind of sized themselves to your feet. And so here's the thing. we got to have some good shoes. we got to have the shoes of the gospel of peace if we're going to run this race and we're going to finish this race. Number two, got to have a good pace. 
you got to have your pace. You can't run somebody else's pace. It's got to be your pace. Number three, we've got to do something else. We've got to realize what the course is. And God's got a course laid out for us. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God's got a plan for you. He said it in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, not to harm you, but to give you a future and to give you a hope. God will show you the course if you'll read his word, study his word, pray, spend time with Jesus. Jesus, he'll give you the direction that you need to go. Anybody ever ran in a race and just kind of got lost? You know, sometimes they're not marked very well. And sometimes you're, you're left out there and maybe nobody's around you. Everybody's done left you. You got to have some direction. You got to know where you're going. You need to know the course. And eventually, you want to make it to the finish line. Come on, folks. We want to make it to the finish line. We're not done yet. If you're here this morning, we're not done yet. If you were not here this morning, then I believe you've already made it. Unless you're still at home. And if you're still at home, you ought to be here. Soon after starting the race, we face all kinds of obstacles, don't we? And what I'm talking about when we start this race it's when you ask Jesus to come into your heart. That's when life really begins. That's when you start to get a pure life. Up until that point, you really don't know what life is all about. But then there's obstacles that are going to come. Can I tell you? If you serve the Lord, there's obstacles that are going to come. I can't tell you that it's all a bed of roses, but I can tell you that it is worth it all. It's worth it all. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. A scripture pastor shared just a few weeks ago. Let me tell you something. When you accept Christ, the devil ain't happy. And I use that word ain't for emphasis. He ain't happy. He wants to stop you. His aim is to stop you before you get yourself grounded and rooted in the Lord. Obstacles will come against you. <laughs> Those of you that run in a race know there's obstacles, don't you? Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? You got to run consistently. You got to know that getting started is sometimes the hardest part of the whole race. In 1978, a friend of mine named Jerry Robinson, uh, he and I were running a lot back in the 70s. I don't run as much as I used to. It's just harder. It's a lot harder to run than I used to. Uh, I was talking to Aaron earlier. He said something about as he was aging, it was just getting better. And sometimes I'm thinking, yeah, it's getting better, but sometimes it's getting harder. <laughs> Especially when you're chasing three, three-year-olds, <laughs> it gets harder. In 1978, we ran in a, a junior marathon, which is, Marshall note, it's a half a marathon. It's 13 miles and so many feet, whatever the feet is. And, and so we were running about 60 miles a week. 60 miles a week. I can't believe I ever ran that much. Now I can't run 60 miles in a year. <laughs> but we were running that, and, and they had their first marathon in Columbus, Georgia at Peachtree Mall. 
And so he and I had joined the, the Columbus Track Club, which all that did was get us a T-shirt every time we went to a run. It didn't mean anything. Didn't, we didn't win no trophies, but we did get a T-shirt, and so the T-shirts are good. If you runners ever run in races, you love your T-shirts, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's all I ever got was a T-shirt. <laughs> so we ran in this race, but, but we didn't run our race. We ran somebody else's race. Auburn University had sent their track club over there, and there was a guy named Charles Evilsizer, and he was one of the fastest runners in the country at that time. And so he was in the race, and so Jerry said, we got to get in the front pack. And I didn't even know about packs, but there's a front pack, and then there's a metal pack, and then that's where I should have been in the back. And so we got in the front pack, and we began to run this race. So when they fired the gun, we took off and ran about the first five miles at about a five-and-a-half and a, a six-minute-mile pace. And I can tell you what it did for this guy. I lost my pace. And so we're out on a road and we're running. And, and, and I was, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in a runner's slump at about eight miles. And I know I got five and a half more miles to go. <laughs> but I'm not running my race. I've already messed up in the first five miles. And so I'm in a slump. And then it's a Fleetwood station wagon car. That'll tell you how long ago it was. Came around us, and in the back of it, there was a big old camera. And there was a guy sitting up on the tailgate with his camera. And on the side of that Fleetwood station wagon, it said, Action 9 News. And I got my second win. <laughs> for about a minute and a half. When he came around, I went from slump Oh, I looked good. I'm telling you, I looked good. And then that station wagon went over the hill, and I didn't look good no more. And then all I was thinking about was, God, let me get to the finish line. Just let me get to the finish line. My breathing wasn't right. All runners know you got to have a breathing rhythm. you got to get in a place where your breathing's right. And then there is a place where you'll finally get a second win if you don't blow it out in the first five miles. So in our race with God, the peace he offers us, we should learn early on and confess to him that, God, I want to finish this race. I want to finish this race so I'll run the race that you have for me and not someone else. All you can be is yourself. Be yourself. God's got a pace for you to run this race. Confess it to your family. Confess it to your children. I'm going to finish this race, and I'm going to finish it strong. I got one amen from a runner. Thank you, Izzy. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish it. He's already said it. You're not alone. You're not alone. I know exactly where you are, and I'm going to run this race with you. Pastor said it last week, and I'll, I don't know if you remember this or not, but he said, don't quit. How many remember him saying that? Don't quit. Never quit. If you fall out of the race, 
get back in the race. You may not get back in where you got out. Sometimes we think we do, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we got to back up a little bit. We got to go back to the cross. We got to go back to a place and say, God, forgive me. I've messed up, but I want to get back in this race again because I want to finish this race. So many quit the race before really even getting started. I've made my mind up. I want to finish strong. Linda and I say it. We say it around the house. We're going to finish strong. We're going to finish strong. Does that mean the devil don't come against us? No. We could have got into it this morning, but we didn't. Let me quickly give you seven things that I believe will help you in this race of life. Seven things. Number one, finish the race. Come on, finish the race. Make up your mind. You're going to finish the race, and you're going to finish it strong. See, it's a choice. We choose every day. We choose every day what kind of attitude we're going to have. Somebody could have said amen right there. It's a choice. Isaiah 50, verse 7. I went back and read this. It says, to set your face like flint. In other words, keep your eyes on Jesus. See, I believe Jesus, when he was going to the cross, he had to keep his face set like flint because he knew what the Father had told him he had to do. And he didn't waver from that. And he finished the race, and he finished the race strong. Why did he do that? Look at your neighbor and say, because of you. Look at your neighbor on the other side and say, because of you. He did it because of you. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 8 says, and this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, for I am ready. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Come on, give him praise. There's a finish line that we're going to cross. You may have never won a race on this earth, but there's a finish line you'll cross. Can you imagine what a celebration that's going to be? Wow. (laughs) You see, when I run, it's not as far as I used to. Now it's just a few miles. And the hardest part is starting. I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do this today. And it's so easy, we can talk ourselves right out of it. Folk, we can talk ourselves out of being in God's presence every day. But what we've got to do is say, God, I want you. I need you today. Jesus, I need your presence in my life. See, I've realized there's, there's two other people that live in our house. And some of you got them living in your house, too. Two other people. 
and this past week I found out all about it. It's kind of weird. Siri lives in your house, and Lexi lives in your house. Or Alexa, however you pronounce her name. And so it's like, Alexa, turn on the TV. Since when do I have to have Alexa turn on my TV? Siri, set a timer for two minutes. Siri, set a timer for one minute. Oh, this is Linda. The girls say, just set a timer, Gigi. So she said, okay, I'm going to set a timer for three minutes. Three minutes, it goes off. Well, I'm going to set it again for two minutes. And then Gigi, she, she can do this because she's Gigi. I'm going to set the timer for one minute. And then it'll go off. Well, we'll set it one more time. That's Gigi. That's not granddaddy. Gigi would say, Alexa, turn the thing off. That's what G granddaddy would probably say. Instead of talking to Alexa, talking to Siri, we need to be talking to Jesus. Jesus, set a timer. I'm going to get up and worship you this morning. Holy Spirit, set a timer. I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible this morning. Holy Spirit, set a timer. I'm going to get up today and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you before I ever go do my run. Come on, give him praise in this house. <clears throat> I believe the Holy Spirit will wake you up. How many believe that? But let me, let me tell you this now. When he wakes you up, don't say, oh, give me five more minutes. You better get on up. Because before you know it, you'll fall back asleep and you'll be asleep again. Wow. Come on. Peace comes as a result of a mind made up that I'm going to finish this race. I remember when Bruce Meredith was in the hospital. Bruce, Bruce was laying in the hospital bed and going through a pretty tough time. But I remember something he said to me. He said, I'm going to praise him in the valley. I'm going to praise him in the valley. And his wife said, that medication might be bothering him a little bit, but I didn't believe it was medication. <laughs> he said, I'm going to praise him while I'm in the valley. I'm going to praise him while I'm in the valley. We can praise him in the valley as well as on the mountaintop. Folk, if I, if I can't praise him in my kitchen, I can't praise him when I'm here. Come on, that's better preaching you're letting on to if I can't praise him in my kitchen, I can't praise him in this house. And I ought to praise him in this house. James 1, 6 through 8 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. James 1.8 says he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You've got to start doubting your doubts. Doubt your own doubts. Because sometimes the enemy will tell you, oh, you're not going to praise him today. And that's a doubt. But you need to doubt your own doubt and say, yes, I am going to praise him. And just begin to glorify your God. As a young teenager, David, he was asked this question. Well, he asked this question, what is going to be given to the man who takes out this giant? He was looking past the giant now. Because they already said that the king's going to give his daughter to the man who kills this giant in marriage. And they say she was pretty fair to look at. David looked beyond the giant, although he knew who he served. So he saw this giant all right. But as a step to get what God had for him, he took this giant out. 
He knew God was on his side. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hold on, my child, because joy comes in the morning. Joy is coming. Jesus saw the cross for sure. But he saw past the cross to what was waiting for him when he conquered it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. What's motivating you? What's motivating you? Jesus should be your motivation. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Folks, stay in the race. Keep serving him. Let me ask you this question. How much do you love Christ? How much do you love him? How much do you love him? I've been working over at Danny and him's office doing some work there for a couple of months. And sometimes I'd be in the back and I'd be making all kind of noise and running the vacuum cleaners and running all kind of tools and different things. But there's been moments when I just hear Miss Glenda in there praising and worshiping God. She'd just be sitting in the front office and Danny and them be working over here and she'd just be praising and singing all kinds of songs just worshiping God. In the middle of her day, if you can worship him in your office, you can worship him here. Peace is released in our lives when there's a revelation present that says it's worth whatever it takes. It's worth whatever it takes. Second Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compels us. Compels us. The love of Christ is what should compel us. So here's the thing. It's a simple message. Brother Bill, we just got to fall in love with Jesus. Just fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Spend time with him. It won't take you long. You'll fall in love with Jesus. Here's number three. I'm going to go real fast. Pace yourself. Sometimes there's rough and rocky terrain. And here's the thing. Sometimes we go downhill in races. Sometimes we go downhill. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, it's hard. And sometimes when you're going downhill, it don't take very much to trip you up. You'll trip over something and you'll fall and you'll stumble. Anybody ever tripped and fell? <laughs> And then you jump up and you look around to see who's watching you, don't you? I know Julio. You probably fell off a lawnmower sometime and it's still going or something. And then you try to figure out who's watching. I know. I've done that. You want to see who's watching. 
You jump up and keep right on going. <laughs> we want to endure to the end. A good pace always allows us to run the race in peace. One set at the cross. Set yourself at the cross. Stay at the foot of the cross. Paul testified of a church at Philippi that over the course of his race, he had both experienced need, he had experienced abundance, but yet he said he would learn to find himself content. Sometimes we're always looking for something else. Can I tell you something? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. When answers aren't enough, and sometimes we're just looking for answers, but when answers aren't enough, Jesus is enough. First Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Revelation 3, 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus overcame. He sat down with the Father. If we'll overcome and finish this race, Brother Hank, then one day we're going to sit down with Jesus. Praise God. Yeah, go ahead. Give him praise. One day we're going to sit down with Jesus. And it's going to be a whole lot better than sitting down in a, in a stadium of 80,000 people and watching your team get destroyed like Auburn did yesterday. <laughs> And then we come in and we sing, the tide is rising. <laughs> oh, y'all didn't get that. <laughs> that was for Pastor Brian. That's all that was for. That was only for him. Let me tell you something. Football's not my God. It's not. I didn't cry when Auburn lost yesterday. But I did get excited the night before when I stayed up to nearly midnight and watched FSU win. When I moved here, I decided I would cheer for them. And up until now, I hadn't had much to cheer for. <laughs> but it's getting better. Hold on, my child. <laughs> Joy comes in the morning. Here's number four. Be careful going downhill. And I've already said that. Second Chronicles 32, 23 through 25. When I read about Hezekiah, there was a time when Hezekiah was afraid because Sennacherib king was going to try and take over, and he was coming to take over and do things. And, and Hezekiah did all kind of good things, and people began to bring him gifts and presents. And, and here's, the, here's the bottom line. I'm going to paraphrase this. Hezekiah kind of got the big head. When God came in and did what he was supposed to do, and he took care of them, and he wiped out the king that was trying to destroy them, then Hezekiah still, still had the big head and didn't quite do what he should have done. He should have gave God all the glory, but yet he did repent. But yet at that time there was gloom and doom hovering over him, and he was on his sickbed. Folks, we ought to praise God all the time because anything good that happens in our life, you can bet it's because of him. Because God loves you that much. Jesus cares about you that much. Going downhill can be a small stone and cause you to stumble. Sometimes we chasing after the blessings of God instead of chasing after the God of the blessing. When we need to chase the God of the blessing. Because my Bible tells me that the blessings of God will chase you down and overtake you. If you serve Him. If you serve him and give him thanks for it all, because we've already sung it. 
He deserves the glory. He deserves the glory. So the blessings of God can be a stumbling block to us if we allow it to be. But if we realize and we always have a grateful heart, then we can always glorify God. You think about Abraham. He was blessed with Isaac. That was a gift from God. A gift from God. But yet he was willing to sacrifice his son, wasn't he? He drew the knife and was going to sacrifice him. He served the God of the blessing and not the blessing of the God. 2 Samuel 24, we must love the God of the blessing more than the blessings of God. Number five, beware of rule infractions. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, self-controlled and constrained. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You ever seen somebody fight like that? You fight like that, and you're going to get your chin knocked off. You better look at what you're fighting. You better look at what you're up against. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself might become disqualified. This word's for all of us. This word's for all of us. In a road course, the course is marked. However, there's always the temptation to take a shortcut. You know, even in the Boston Marathon, there's been people jumped in halfway and then crossed the finish line first just to get all the glory. But can I tell you something? You can rest assured your sin will find you out. I remember as a little boy at about six years old, I had a shirt my mom told me not to put on because we were about to go off someplace. And I put it on, went outside, went down, climbed over Mr. Davis's chicken pen fence, and I tore my shirt. And I went back in, I took the shirt off, and I hid it behind a shift robe. Y'all know what a shift robe is. People don't have shift robes no more. But, but I hid it behind the shift robe because we didn't have any closets in our house. We just had shift robes, and I hid it behind the shift robe, and, and, and my mom didn't say anything, and I put on a different shirt. It wasn't quite the same color as that one, but it was close, and I got away with it for about six weeks. And then one day my mom asked me where that particular shirt was, and I said, I don't know. I shouldn't have said, I don't know, because you can rest assured your sin will find you out. My mother didn't do anything then, but about a week later, she was doing some cleaning in my room, and she was going to sweep behind the shift robe, and she swept out a torn red shirt. And then she came back to me and said, where's that shirt? Oh, Mom, you found it. Yeah, she found it, and I went and found the biggest switch I could find, too, and brought it back to the house. And my mama tore up my legs, tore them up. You remember those days? Dry it up. I will if you'll stop. Y'all know. So there's no shortcuts in this race. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Come on, I'm preaching fast. I'm going to let you out of here early. Oh, you're getting excited now, aren't you? I saw you, Felicia. You started clapping immediately. That just means you got to go get all them kids. 
There's no shortcuts in this race. The grass ain't greener on the other side, is it? Sometimes we think it is, don't we? Sometimes we think it is, but it's not. If it sounds too good to be true, then it's probably what? Not true. But can I tell you something? This word is truth. Jesus said he's coming back. How many believe he's coming back? Come on, how many believe he's coming back? I believe he's a soon coming king. So remember, your sin will find you out. Peace for the race involves purity of heart. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. Aren't you glad his mercies are brand new every morning? Oh, Jason Crabb's got a new song out called uh, about his mercies every morning. I don't know if you've heard that song or not. But, man, it's become one of my favorites because I need God's mercy every morning. Every morning I need his mercy. Number six, go to the well often. Come on, I love this, folk. Go to the well often. The well that never runs dry. The well of salvation where we draw our joy. We got to return to the well. We got to keep going to the well and drinking from the well. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. we got to keep going to Jesus. Any long-distance race has water stations, places to get Gatorade and all those things all along. You'll see runners as they run in races. They'll run to the side. They'll grab some, some, some hydration, and they'll begin to drink that down. And sometimes we try to run this race without going back to the Word, without going back to Jesus, without spending time in prayer. And can I tell you, you will dehydrate so fast we've got to go back to the well we've got to keep drawing from the well there's a well that never runs dry never runs dry you ever been down in a well before it's kind of eerie when you get down in there isn't it we dug some wells once by hand in Guatemala and all we had was a bucket to put the dirt in a coffee can and a pick that had a handle about that long on it. And, th and then we began to dig. And as we dug, we'd drop another culvert in. As we dig, and then we put another culvert on top of that as we dug. And then we'd have to pull each other out and take turns until we finally got down and hit water. But I'm thankful today that I don't have to dig. It's already been dug for me. But I can go to a well that never runs dry. I can get hydration every morning that will carry me through the day. And then even during the day, I can sit in my truck and still call on Jesus. And he'll come and he'll give me a drink from that same well. No matter where I'm at or what's going on in my life, he's always there. <laughs> John 7, 37, 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. To have peace in this race, we must have the power and the endurance to run it. And folk, that power comes from the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, he says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And number seven, 
And I'm closing with this. I'm going to ask our worship team if they'll come back. Are they out there? Okay. Praise God. I can't see, so y'all have to tell me. I didn't see if anybody's moving or not. And I thought, have I got to play too, you know? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I could play a gazoo. You just blow in that thing, you know, hum in it. Number seven, we got to pass the baton. I heard my wife say, yes, we got to pass the baton. She passed it to Bo. She passed the baton to Bo. And sometimes I get tickled because she passed it to him. But then she wants to tell him how to do it. And Bo says, Mama, I know you're a legend, but I'm going to do it this way. And I passed it to my sons. Sometimes we just got to pass the baton. We're not in this race for ourselves. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's why we ought to get connected. That's why you ought to get in a connect group. So you can be encouraged. We got an encouraging word this morning. That's why you ought to get connected somewhere. Get yourself grounded somewhere. I don't know about you, but I believe in the local church. I believe we need to be in a local church. We need to be grounded someplace. We need to be someplace where the word's not being compromised, but where it's been preached. Where it's been preached uncompromisingly and where we can get rooted and grounded and finish this race. We just went through the book of Acts. Wasn't that an incredible series? And Pastor Brian preached it like it ought to be preached. Uncompromising. I love it when our pastor, when something will go on throughout the community or throughout this world, throughout this, our nation, and something's happening, then he'll stand up here and take the scriptures and show us what's going on and say, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand firm on the Word of God. We're going to stand firm on the scriptures, and we're going to finish this race strong. We have to pass the torch. Carry the light of the cross. We've got to take it daily. Daily. There's a lost and a dying world out there. Can you imagine what our young people face today? It's hard for me to fathom some of the things that they face today. But if we're not passing the torch, if we're not teaching them the Word of God in our homes, and we're not reading Bible stories to them and teaching them what the Word of God says, how can they survive this race? They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Worst thing when I grew up in school was somebody getting caught smoking out behind the schoolhouse. That was the worst thing. Peace for the race comes when you encourage someone else to get in the race. Encouraging one another, lifting up one another, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses.
encouraging one another. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. Yeah, we fall, but you can get back up and you can make it. You can finish this race. Yeah, we're going to fall, but you can get back up and you can make it. You can finish the race, encouraging one another, lifting them up, holding up their arms, just like Aaron and her held up the arms of Moses. You can finish the race. And you can finish the race strong. You can finish the race. Were you nervous this morning? Just making sure. Making sure I wasn't the only one. There's big shoes to try to fill. Well, I know Brent's shoes are a lot bigger than yours. Mine might be bigger than Pastor Brian's, but there's big shoes to fill. But you got to pass the torch. Pass the torch to your children. Stand with me this morning, if you would. When I first went to a Pentecostal church, I was about 21. called Auburn Assembly of God then it later became Auburn First Assembly of God I don't know why it had to be First Assembly I guess because we wanted to be the first and then it later became Victory World Prayer Center (laughs) but when I first went there I was 21 years old I had given my heart to the Lord when I was 17 in a Baptist church And I really got introduced to the Holy Spirit. And I began to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I remember the day I stood before my pastor, Brother Ruday, and I said, Brother Ruday, I'm full. I'm just full. I feel like I'm full up to here, and I'm about to explode. And he said, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And I said, no, sir. He said, well, I'm about to pray for you. And I remember he reached out. He touched me on the forehead right there, and he started praying for me. God gave me a prayer language like I'd never had before. And I thought, well, I didn't fall backwards, but I fell forward. And when I got up, I hadn't been the same since. And I got in a Sunday school class and began to listen to the Word of God being taught. Help me with my English. You will when I get home, I know. That's what you get from marrying a teacher. But I got in a Sunday school class that was not for 21-year-olds. It was the teenagers class. And I began to listen to Dr. James Adams teach the Word of God. And he was a professor from Auburn University. And I began to listen to him teach the Word. And I would listen to him and watch him get out the maps he'd get out his whole board of maps and show us where everything was taking place on the maps you know the flip chart maps and he'd flip them over we don't do that much anymore but we probably ought to 
And, and then after a couple of years of sitting in his class, one day he said, he said, I'm going to be gone in two weeks. He said, I want you to teach my class for me. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And I thought, he's a professor at Auburn. Well, how am I going to teach his class? But, but I was able to teach his class. I'm not going to tell you how good it was because I don't know. <laughs> Nobody left. They still came to church. But, but a few weeks ago, I couldn't get Dr. Adams off my mind. And, and so I called his son and I said, I need your dad's phone number. Can I call him? You think it'd be all right? He said he would love to hear from you. He's 89 now. And I, and I called him. And I said, Dr. Adams, I just want to sit here on the back porch and talk to you for a minute. But I'm calling you because I want to thank you. I want to thank you for believing in me, for pouring the Word of God into my life and giving me a foundation that I could stand on from a very young age and then walk this journey and this race of life on that Word. And we had the most wonderful conversation for about 40 minutes on the phone. And I just felt so good. If there's mentors in your life, people that have helped you walk through this thing, and I know there are, and you haven't talked to them in a long time, just call them. Just call them. Because one day we'll all meet on the other side. And that's when we'll say, it was worth it at all when we hear Jesus say well done thy good and faithful servant come on give him praise <laughs> hallelujah thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast we hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you for more information about Generations Church and its ministries check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.